episode 32 of the Sharp and the Square podcast. Hello and welcome, friends. I'm Matt Howe alongside Justin Santu. Uh, it was a, another mid-major Matt day yesterday. I moved to 10 and 1. 10 and 1. 10 and 1 mid-majors. I mean, I think that's just pretty fucking lucky more than anything. But I don't think so because I think you do a real – and I've told you this before. It's not lucky because you're not taking ra- – I mean, they are a little random, but there's obvious edges. Yeah. Like, you, you are – like, you're not finding slim edges on mid-majors. Like, yeah. Like, you're finding egregious, they should be able to dominate in this area edges. Right, right, right. Um, so, yesterday's mid-major hit was Eastern Kentucky, minus four and a half over Southeast Missouri State. Um, that was a game where Southeast Missouri State beat Eastern Kentucky by, like, 24 um, on Saturday, and then they were playing again on Monday. Um, Southeast Missouri State shot the lights out in their huge win on Saturday. And we just got a total zigzag here. Eastern Kentucky this time shot the lights out. They made 14 of 23 threes. Um, they shot 60% from three um, and 50.8% from the field. Meanwhile, Southeast Missouri State shot 38% from the field, six of 22 from three. They had how many? 16 turnovers. So, you know, this was a – we handicapped it pretty to a T, I think, and it was no sweat. They were killing them throughout the game. So mid-major Matt, 10-1. and one. Um, Quickly, um, yesterday's other good games, Oklahoma State won in overtime. Um, that was a really good game. And Duke whooped up on Syracuse. Do you have anything to add on those two? Uh, before we we're going to break down some golf before we um, to- no I, I just feel I, I think in hindsight and I didn't really get a chance to look into this until after the pod um, Duke was a really good matchup for Syracuse they were among the best teams in the ACC in three-point shooting uh, so far in conference play and um, that's how you beat the zone three-point shooting and offensive rebounding and Duke does a really good job of that they're starting to figure shit out and they're playing really good defense on the perimeter. Um, they're the real deal. Great win for Oklahoma State. Cade Cunningham's a monster. Um, I think down the stretch, the referees were a little bit unfair towards Texas Tech. Uh, there were just a ton of no calls in overtime that I thought were a little ridiculous. And then um, USC dominated Oregon. And, like, that was not I, – I was surprised that it went down quite like that. But, like, USC is the better team. They're going to dominate inside. And if they have a hot shooting night from the outside against Oregon zone, like it's, it's good night for Oregon. And I think we talked about a little bit on the pot of the market may have overcorrected a bit on Oregon just because they've, they've been covering like crazy since they got everybody healthy. And USC is just the real deal. Like they're not a team that I don't, that I think anybody wants to play in the NCAA tournament. They're just long, athletic, talented. They play great D and um, they, they, you want to talk about a whooping, like they whooped up on Oregon. So Good night at college basketball last night. I felt I felt really good about my like the way I watched the games. I felt like I was I was back. Definitely was back is the sharp, and that's why he's bringing the energy today. I love it. But let's uh, before we get into tonight's slate, which is a good one, let's break down some PGA golf, Mister Santoop. It's the WGC Workday at the Concession Golf Course in Florida. Um, This normally is in Mexico, but because of COVID this year, it has been moved to Florida. So have at it, man. What is your outright card looking, shaping up like, and uh, why? 
So I'll start with the process, right? It's tough. They're playing a golf course that we've never seen before on the PGA Tour. Um, and then when that, that happens, you have to look at a lot of comp courses. And instead of course history, um, you look at course sort, a lot of course suitability. And I typically only really look at course suitability and factor in course history a little bit. But uh, on a week where there's no course history to speak of, I mean, that's like, I love that because I, I can find comp courses, player types that fit. Um, and that's what I'm looking for. So this week, the concession golf club, 7,400, 7,500 yards, par 72 in Florida, Bermuda grass greens. There are a handful of golf courses on the PGA tour that play a similar way. Long golf courses, Bermuda grass greens, Southeast part of the United States, North Carolina, Florida, Georgia, I'm looking at Quail Hollow as a comp course that hosts the Wells Fargo Championship every year. It's hosted a, a PGA Championship a few years ago that Justin Thomas won. I'm looking at PGA, Na PGA National, which is a Jack Nicholas design, which is what the course is this week, a Jack Nicholas design in Florida. Um, I'm looking at the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill. It's another long Bermuda grass greens, Florida course, and uh, Valhalla Golf Club which hosted the PGA championship in 2014 um, and East Lake, which is in Atlanta, another Bermuda grass par 72. I'm looking for guys that have had success on these type of golf courses. Every golf course I've mentioned, there's one guy that has won on every single one of them. The pride of Ireland, the pride of Northern Ireland, Rory fucking McElroy. This dude is due. And so it's hard to really back Rory because he has been, so just good the last two years. He hasn't won since 2019 and he hasn't really been in contention. That's not to say he hasn't played well. He's got a ton of top 20s. He's driving the ball better than anybody on tour, long and straight like Rory always does, but he's struggling with his approaches. One of these days that's just going to click. And I think missing the cut is just going to whip him into shape. Last five times Rory McIlroy has missed the cut. He's got four top fives and included in those four top fives are two wins. That's awesome. He is back home in Florida. He got to spend the weekend with his wife and his newborn baby daughter. He was not out hacking around in California through the wind and all the bullshit that the guys had to deal with over the weekend at Riv. Rory is ready to fucking go. And Rory McIlroy does not go two years without winning golf tournaments. It just doesn't happen. He's won 11% of the time since he's been on tour. That is absurd. That's a better percentage than Dustin Johnson. It's a better percentage than Justin Thomas, better percentage than John Rahm. Every single top guy, Rory wins more often than, and he hasn't won since 2019. And now, because he just had a bad week, his first miscut in 25 events, which is just ridiculous when you think about it. Yeah. To go 25 events without missing a cut. Right. Odds makers have dropped him to 16 to one in a WGC field in his home state of Florida on Bermuda grass greens where he fucking beasts. I love Rory this week. I just love him. I think he's due. I think the odds have finally dropped on him where we can hammer him. I'm in on Rory and much in a similar sense. I'm going to Justin Thomas right at the top of the market. Also at 18 to one JT just missed a cut as well. His numbers off of a missed cut are also pretty outstanding. A ton of top fives. 
He's the best iron player on the planet. He plays great in Florida. He's got wins on comp courses. He won at the PGA Championship at Quail Hollow, which is a huge comp course. He plays great on Nicholas Designs. East Lake is one of his favorite golf courses. Another guy who plays a ton of golf in Florida, lives in Florida. And the bookmakers have dropped him, dropped him down to 18 to 1. Justin Thomas, 18 to 1. Justin Thomas is the king of the WGC. It's a WGC no cut event. Nobody plays these better than Justin Thomas. He won the last WGC. That was his last one. He won the last WGC in, uh, in Nashville back in August. I love JT. I love Rory and JT. I love that I got two guys at the top of the market. And then in, yeah. a, and then in a similar sense, sticking to that same kind of theme, the books are hanging at 25 to 30 to 1 on Brooks Kepka, who is totally in form. He's playing great golf. The only thing that kept him out of being in the mix this past weekend was just a bad round of golf on Saturday in 40 mile an hour wins. He had one bad round in wins on a golf course that he never plays well. This dude's in form. He's hitting it great off the tee. Now he's in his home state of Florida where he grew up on Bermuda greens. He puts great on Bermuda grass greens. WGC, that's a big purse. It's a big event. He cares about big events. He always plays better in the second week of a back-to-back. Plus, I love the guy. And if he's in contention, he's a badass. Give me Brooks. Um, so right now we've got Rory, JT, and Brooks. And then there are a couple other guys in that mid-tier range that I really like. Um, I have Colin Morikawa on my card. I caught him at 55 to one. He's now like 40 to one. Wow. Morikawa is the most disrespected golfer on the planet right now. He just had a rough week at Riviera. I was on him, thought he was going to perform great in his hometown of Los Angeles. And here's what happened. He finished. I don't have his exact finish in front of me, but I think he finished like 40 something. Let me pull it up. So I have the exact, exact data. He finished 43rd at Riv, but not all 43rds are created equally. You ready for this stat, Matt? I, I drop it on me, baby. Ready for this? Yep. Colin Morikawa, last week at Riviera, finished fifth in the field in strokes gained T to green. Fifth in the field in strokes gained T to green. That means if he had had just a semi-competent week putting, right, he would have been right in it. He would have been right in it. It's like betting, and I talked, texted you about this. The way Colin Morikawa played last week was if you bet on a football team, and every single time they had the football, they were they had goal to go, and every single time they had goal to go, they turned it over. They botched a field goal, fumbled a snap, yep. threw a pick in the end zone. That's what he did. He led the field in strokes gained approach. That is the most important stat on the PGA Tour. Do I think Colin Morikawa is going to lose eight strokes again putting? Eight strokes putting? No, I don't. Do I think he's a good putter? Not really. But do I think he's going to lose eight strokes again? No, not at all. And all he has to do, because he's such a good ball striker, is go neutral with the putter. And if he does that, he's going to be right in the mix. 55 to one for a guy that's won twice in the last calendar year. He's obviously in form hitting his irons. Great. Plus there's no course history. So you don't have to worry about any of that. He's just going up against a bunch of guys. I like Colin Morikawa. Another guy I really like is Joaquin Neiman. I don't have a bet on him because you know, my cards maxed out. Um, he pops in the model. Sung James, a great Florida golfer. 
Um, but I think I think this is a week, and you want to talk about WGCs. WGCs are won by the creme de la creme. It's a 70-person small field, no cut event. The cream rises to the top in these events. And uh, if you look back at who's won WGCs, it's all it's a who's who of elite golfers. So I want elite golfers this week. And I've got them. Rory, JT, Brooks, and Colin Morikawa. I mean, yes, that's a card of kings. And I, I will say there's one name that I wish I could have this week, but the odds makers are just onto him because he's been so, so good. And then I guess who it is? Go ahead. Patrick Cantlay? No, no, no. I, I don't I actually don't like Cantlay this week. He, I mean, he's they're laying 18 to 1 on him. Yeah, it's not I it's, honestly it's not enough. He's he golfs better in California than he does in, in Florida. Is it Hovland? It's Big Dick Vic. Yeah. Big Dick Vic has been hitting the ball great. He is due to win a monster event. And he can come any day now. But I just can't be on him at 22 to 1 when JT is right there at 18. Like, I just can't do that. You know, they're just not in the same class yet. So there are a couple guys that I also really like that the odds makers are just on to, Victor Hovland and uh, Terrell Hatton. Those are the two that have been playing great golf and the odds makers are on to them. But you're going to give me an opportunity to have a card in Florida with Rory, JT, and Brooks, and then you're going to let me bet on fucking Colin Morikawa at 55 to 1? Are you kidding me? 40 to 1 or better, he's a freaking go. This so, guy is one. Go ahead. So, you're on to your point at Morikawa. On FanDuel yeah. right now, he's 34 to 1. Yep. DraftKings, he's 46 and a half to 1. Yeah, so. you shop around, you can find 40s on him, and that's just not the number's wrong. It's a bad number. Bad number, take advantage. Plus, plus, in his two wins in the last calendar year, one of them was on a Jack Nicholas designed course. This is a Jack Nicholas design. He's hitting the ball great. Fifth in the field, Tita Green last week. Let me let me tell you something, man. Let me just ask you a question. What do you think Colin Morikawa's odds are if he didn't lose eight strokes putting and he didn't gain anything? He just net neutral putter, finished fourth in the field, fourth, fourth in the tournament. What do you think his odds are? 15 to 1, 18 I don't know about to 1. 15. 20, I would say 20. See where Hovland is? 22? Yeah. Like, just because he had a bad week with the putter. It happens. Yep. It happens. Sometimes you go out there, you hit the ball great, and you don't make any putts. It just happens. It happens to me all the time. Every time I play, it happens to me. Yes, it does. <laughs> play. That's why I'm, at, I'm in my room hitting 50 putts a day. I, I think I feel really good about my card. I feel like I've handicapped this this damn tournament really well. I want guys that hit the ball far. I want guys that hit it close. I want guys that are comfortable in Florida. I want guys that make putts on Bermuda grass. I want stars. WGCs are won by stars. I want stars. I got and I got I got stars. It is a star-studded car. That's for damn sure. I'm excited. It's a card for kings. I'm it is pumped. a card for kings. And you're you were fired up about last week's tournament, and it didn't exactly play out the way you uh, had hoped. I know. Uh, and it was a, a weird it, – it ended up being a weird tournament with the wind. Yeah. It was a weird leaderboard towards the end, and it's not really what anyone expected. But yeah. this week, I think you're back on track. It's a – it's the creme de la creme, as you said. Bingo. People win this one. So, boom. Any final final uh, analysis or thoughts on this week? Um, I just – you know, I just feel really good, and I'm excited, and it's it's part of this great stretch. Uh, of golf. Um, let me just 
give you just to, to prove my creme de la creme point really quickly. Okay. Here are the last bunch of winners, right. Of these WGC tournament events. Stop me when, when we get to somebody who's not a star. Okay. This Patrick Reed, Justin star. Thomas, star. Dustin Johnson, star. Brooks Kepka, star. Rory McElroy, star. Phil Mickelson, but this was four years ago. Star. Justin Thomas. Star. Xander Shoffley. Star. Dustin Johnson. Star. 2017 Hideki Matsuyama was a superstar. Star. 2017 Justin Rose was ranked number one in the world. Star. Adam Scott, 2016, was a top, was an elite player. Star. 2016 Jason Day was an elite player. Star. Dustin Johnson. How many has he won? Jesus, three? He's won six WGCs. Oh, my God. Hideki Matsuyama in 2016, Dustin Johnson 2015, Rory McIlroy 2015, and then Shane Lowry in 2015 was probably the like that's going all the way back to Shane Lowry was the last time we had a non-star win the golf win one of these golf tournaments. So you know, so you know who has the mo- the record for the most WGCs won? No, Tiger Woods has won 18. Just to show, it's the elite golfers that win these golf tournaments. Okay. I'm ready to move on to college basketball. I feel like I did a good job on this one. You did. Excellent job. I'm excited now. You got me fired up for it. Um, got my card all set now, too, as you were rattling them off. I was uh, shopping around for some lines on those guys, so I'm very pumped. All right, let's go to college basketball, though, because it's a great slate, yep. and I have about 10 games here tonight, starting with Florida at Auburn. Cool. Auburn, laying two at home. Um, what do you think? Uh, oh, I think I like I, I lean Florida. I just think Florida's a better team than Auburn, and they're getting points. I know they're on the road. Um, I don't see like a crazy mismatch anywhere that would say Florida can't cover this two or or win the damn game on the road. I have a play. Okay, I'm on Auburn. Okay, I played him as a pick him overnight. All right, I would play him up to minus two and a half. Um. This line stinks. Yeah. Line stinks. You find the stink and you back up the brinks, you know? And I, I that's a great line. It's a great line. Me and my buddy Colin have been talking about that since football season. You got to find the stink. Um, when the line stinks, we back up the brinks. That's the line. Uh, Where'd you get that from? I made it up. No, you didn't. Swear to God. You swear did not to God. Make that line I swear to God. I'm creative. All right, we'll trademark it. You like that, right? When the lines you back up the brinks. Um, Auburn's great at home. I think this is their last stand before the NCAA tournament. I trust Bruce Pearl way more than I trust um, Mike White. Not even close. Bruce Pearl, after their loss at LSU, their blowout loss, he said, uh, I was really disappointed with their effort. And when a coach is disappointed with your effort, I think that tends to be resurrected. It lights a fire. It really does. Um, you can look at the stats. Florida's obviously a better team, but Auburn at home is 17th in the country in offensive efficiency. At home, they shoot 38% from three. Florida is a great defensive team, but on the road, they're just 99th in the country in defensive efficiency. Mm. They don't travel that well. I love the fact that Auburn's just going to chuck up a bunch of threes. They're going to play the way they want to play. Their game is basically we're going to throw up a bunch of threes. If they make, if we make them, 
awesome. If not, we're going to send a bunch of guys, a bunch of freak athletes to the, to the glass and try to rebound as well as possible. I think Auburn matches up really well. I think sometimes you have to admit that you are not the smartest person in the room and don't try to figure out. You just have to say like, okay, Auburn's favored. There's obviously a reason they're favored. When the line stinks, back up the brinks. There you go. Fucking A right. You like that? I like it. I, like it. I didn't realize how uh, good of a team Auburn was at home and how bad of a defensive team Florida travels. So that's why we got you on the pod, baby. Yeah, home home Auburn is, is like a thing. I mean, they're not quite home Minnesota, but like they're a thing. Okay. All right. Um, so Justin has a play. Auburn – Minus two, he has it at a pick em, but he'll bet it up to two and a half. It's actually down to one and a half right now. Great. Um, so I actually just hopped on. I'm tailing. Um, next game, we have Georgia Tech at Virginia Tech. This is an interesting one because Georgia Tech's been pretty good as of late. Um, Virginia Tech, also a g- good ACC team. They're eight and three in the conference, 14 and four in the season. Virginia Tech laying three at home. Um, Justin, you like tech in this one? Which tech? (laughs) (laughs) The yellow jackets. How about Georgia tech? What do you think? So do you think this line stinks? Um, I don't think it stinks, but clearly you do 14 and four Virginia tech eight and three in the ACC ranked what? Like 18th in the country, something like that. But I think that's a, they're a bit of a paper tiger. I agree like, with that. But don't you think that line kind of stinks from that you, sense? You think it's no? too small. I think the average person will say that is a that little bit small. Tech. Yeah. Right. Why is number 16 Virginia tech only laying a possession? Yeah. When the well, line, I, I mean, I'm watching up Georgia tech. I think Georgia tech is good. When the line stinks, we back up the brinks. Georgia tech. Bang. So here's so Virginia tech coming off of a COVID pause. Yep. That's a factor. Georgia Tech needs quality wins. They're on the NCAA tournament bubble. Georgia Tech has a senior leader at point guard named Jose Alvarado. He's fantastic. They are athletic enough to give Virginia Tech trouble. Um, I saw Virginia Tech struggle mightily against a 2-3 zone. Syracuse's 2-3 zone. Georgia Tech will zone them, but they'll be more athletic in the zone. They'll zone to force turnovers. And I just, off the COVID pause, Georgia Tech's playing great. Georgia Tech will make threes. Virginia Tech, I think, will let you shoot the three. Georgia Tech will make them. Georgia Tech will force turnovers. And VT, off the COVID pause, you never know who may not be available. Virginia Tech's a bit of a paper tiger, as you said. And I think Georgia Tech needs this one. Plus three is not a number I love. I play Three and a half now. There's your trigger point. Three and a half now. So, boom. Another play. All right. Two uh... – Two games, two plays. Let's see if we can go three for three here. Kansas at Texas. Texas, a two-and-a-half-point home favorite versus the Jayhawks. Um, trying to see – trying to guess what you would lean here or if you have a play. Do you have a play or no play? I have a play. Oh, he does have a play. I think you're on Texas. Horns up, baby. Hook them horns, baby. Um – Texas was kicking the shit out of West Virginia. They were kicking the shit out of West Virginia over the weekend. And then West Virginia had this epic, epic comeback to come back and win. Texas is hungry. They need a win. They've got the athleticism and the size to combat David McCormick in the paint. They've got the quality guards that will give Kansas trouble. 
I just really like Texas in a must-win spot. I think that they are just as good defensively as Kansas. I think that they have a few more guys on offense that can make plays for themselves than Kansas does. And I think the market has returned to normalcy, I should say, in, in a, the way it's looking at Kansas. And I think that may be a bit of an overcorrection because Kansas is playing great. They've won like five in a row. Uh, including some big wins over Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. Now they got to go on the road at Texas. I think Texas will have fans in the arena tonight. Um, they didn't last weekend in the loss to West Virginia because of the the storm. I think they'll have fans. A lot of seniors on the team need the win because they've really been reeling. I think they come out scorching. Shaq is smart all for whatever reason. He always coaches well against Bill Self. Like always. I'm, I'm on Texas. I like the small number. I like them up to three and a half. Like here, here's my, here's what I'm going to say on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Texas was a three and a half point favorite against West Virginia over the weekend at home. West Virginia is better than Kansas. Like West Virginia is a better team than Kansas. And now Texas is only laying two and a half at home against Kansas. Like that's not right. That's incorrect. That's a name brand play. That's a name brand line. I like Texas. All right. Texas it is. Next game up, UConn at Georgetown. Georgetown, a four-and-a-half-point underdog at home. Georgetown coming off two straight wins, including a win off Seton Hall. Uh, UConn coming off a loss against Nova, where they hung in there, but ended up losing by eight. Um, this one's interesting to me. I don't really have a good feel on UConn. Um, I know they have James Booknight back, and that's really been you know a key for them lately. Um, but I, I can't say I've seen a lot of Georgetown this season. Um, and I don't know, they're seven and 10, seventh in the big East. I don't know if you, this line seems, I don't know, kind of sharp, but what do I know? No, you're right. I, I don't want to play this game. I don't have much of a feel for it either. Georgetown is, has become one of the best three point shooting teams in the country. They've got a ton of guys that make shots on the perimeter um, and Connecticut as good as I think they are and as much as they need this win, because a, a loss here probably puts them on the wrong side of the bubble if they weren't already on the wrong side of the bubble. Georgetown's just not a team that I want to bet against because they will just fire a bunch of threes and they'll make a lot of them and you'll be ripping your hair out. And um, they're going to be a pesky underdog. So I just, I'm not going to bet it. Um, I lean Georgetown as the home dog getting points, but like UConn needs to win. Danny Hurley's a hell of a coach. Not going to touch it, but I, I lean Georgetown, but not a play. Definite no play. Okay, back to the ACC here. Notre Dame at Louisville. Louisville, a five-point home favorite over the Fighting Irish. Louisville, after that COVID pause, absolutely got blown out by 40 points on Saturday to UNC. Um, we were all over North – or Justin especially was all over North Carolina in that one. Notre Dame off a loss at Syracuse. Before that, they had a win over Duke and Miami. Um, a gut-wrenching loss in Syracuse where they blew a 20-point second-half lead. Right. That should also be mentioned. I think you like Notre Dame here. No, I don't. You I like don't. Louisville. I bet Louisville at the opener at three and a half. I play them at oh. three and a half. Louisville's back. They're fully healthy. Um, they ran into a buzzsaw in North Carolina off the COVID pause. We talked about how bad of a matchup they are against North Carolina because they basically want to play the same game North Carolina does, but just like a poor man's version of it. Um, Cause they're not as big and physical. So they were, they were going to get pounded inside. 
and they can't make shots from the outside. And um, that's what North Carolina will force you to do because they're so good inside. Notre Dame is not that good inside. Notre Dame does not play good defense. Louisville wants to run the pick and roll with Carly Jones. He's going to have a field day. He's going to get into the paint, do whatever he wants. Malik Williams, who's Louisville's superstar center, missed the first 15 games of the season. He's back. Um, I don't know if he's at full strength yet, but he will be a total difference maker against a Notre Dame side that I don't know. Um, they just don't have the size or the athleticism, in my opinion, to hang with Louisville. Uh, Louisville, I, you know, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. I think that they defend the three-pointer well. Do you have that number in front of you? Um, yeah, one second. Um, you're asking about their three-point defense for Louisville? Yes. Louisville defends the three-point line 31.5%. They're allowing 66th best in the country. Yeah. Um, and, like, Notre Dame's going to try to shoot threes. They're going to try and take a lot of them. Yep. And, you know, I – I think the wind is out of their sails. I think that that Syrac- they were they were trending up, 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 up. Great first half against Syracuse, and then boom. And now three days later to play a Louisville team that can't afford a loss, right? They're suddenly in the on the NCAA tournament bubble. Don't have a quad one win. Like Louisville needs this game. Louisville's going to dominate the glass. They're going to play a Chris Mack defensive game. Carly Jones is going to have a field day getting into the lane, making plays. I love Louisville. I played them at three and a half. I'm happy I got a great number, but I would play them up to six and a half. Like, I think that they roll them tonight. My number in the game, my number in the game is seven and a half. So, like, this number is, like, fucked up to me. And I think it's it's an overreaction to Louisville just having a bad matchup off a of COVID pause against a really good, like, high-ceiling North Carolina team. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, what, gotcha. that's what this line is. Um, Am I bringing enough energy today? Oh, you're bringing all the energy. I love it. After yesterday's episode, I which I feel guilty. All right, that's you. You bounce back for me. I love it. Um, all right, let's go to LSU at Georgia. LSU, a four and a half point favorite on the road at Georgia. You like the Tigers here? Can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> Can't do it. I, I yes, like yes, I do like LSU because I think that offensively they're as good as any team in the country. Um, they're going to force turnovers. Like Georgia is careless with the basketball, but like Georgia's proven to be pesky. LSU's proven to sometimes just like forget about playing defense and like this could absolutely happen on the road to Georgia, who is certainly capable of having a nice, nice night offensively. I have tons of value on this card. This is not one that I have any interest in trying to, to, to root around for value on. Like, like, do I think LSU is the better team? Yes. Do I think like if they play really well, they'll cover four and a half against Georgia? Yes. Am I confident they're going to come out and actually play like a motivated game? Not really. So, no thank you. Okay. To the Big Ten we go. Illinois at Michigan State. Michigan State getting seven points at home. Oh, man, this is a tough one for me. Uh, I mean, obviously, everyone knows how good Illinois is. Ayo Desumu had a triple-double last game. Um, Kofi Coburn's a monster. Michigan State struggles to score. Um, So, this feels like a game where the Illini could blow them out. In their in Michigan State's building. That being said, Michigan State in their own building, even though they're not a good team, seven points is a sharp number, I think, in this game. And I don't think I want to touch either side. Yeah, I lean Michigan State. Um, okay. I wouldn't. I don't feel very confident in that in that lean though. It's more like a, okay, I think I saw them start to figure some things out in the second half against Indiana. Like maybe that's the new Michigan State going forward. 
and now Tom Izzo getting a couple possessions. Like, I think he'll figure out a way to, to defend Illinois. Um, Cause Illinois, I don't like, I think Illinois is outstanding. Um, like, I think they are really outstanding. I think they're better than Michigan and Ohio state. I think it may be a little bit of a hot take, but that's just my opinion on it. Yeah. Like if you were to ask me who was in my final four today, I would tell you Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, and like then somebody else. Like, I think they have a super high ceiling, but like sure. Tom Izzo at home getting six and a half points. And, you know, it, it I, looks like they're starting to figure it out a little bit at least. Right, and it, exactly. Exactly. So I, I don't feel really as good about this one as I, ha- as I, you know, have a few others today, but I do lean Michigan state. And I think I'm going to be, I'm probably going to end up on them because I'm going to be kicking myself when it's, you know, a three point game with a minute left and I don't have, I don't have Sparty. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Ole Miss at Mizzou, Mizzou minus three and a half. Um, I already told you how I feel. It's a lean Missouri, but you're saying no play, I think. No, I'm saying circle the fucking wagons with the Missouri Tigers. <laughs> ah, <laughs> let's go. Why, why so, Monsieur? This line's bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. It's, 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 I mean, it's not, it's not a stinky line because, um, like this is what the analytics sites say the line is. But I, you know, Missouri's better than Ole Miss. Ole Miss kicked the shit out of them in um, Oxford a few weeks ago, and it was just such a perfect spot for Ole Miss. Missouri's going to return the favor. They are on a mission. Jeremiah Tillman's back, which just completely changes the complex of that team. They're going to rebound at a high level. They've got an interior presence defensively. Um, Ole Miss is pathetic on the perimeter scoring. I mean, they've got a really good point guard in Devontae Schuler, but after that, it's just, it's, it's nothing. They just want to attack the rim and Jeremiah Tillman being active makes it really difficult for them to do that. Um, Missouri's already seen their junk defenses. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but my gut tells me Missouri has been a much different shooting team at home. Uh, let me give a quick check to that because I think that is a fact. Um, Eh, not really, actually. Uh, but I, I just – Ole Miss, if they're not forcing turnovers, they're going to let you shoot threes. Missouri, even though they're not a great three-point shooting team, they actually have some great three-point shooters. Uh, Xavier Pinson, Mark Smith, Drew Smith, these guys are all really good shooters, and I don't know why their percentage is so low, but, like, every time I've watched Missouri, they've, they've looked competent from the outside. I just – like, a few weeks ago, Missouri was minus three-and-a-half at home without Jeremiah Tillman against Arkansas, Right? Missouri was minus this exact spread at home without their superstar center against Arkansas. And Arkansas is way better than Ole Miss. And now I'm getting the same line. Like what? With Tillman now? Yeah. What? Doesn't make sense. I think Missouri rolls them. All right. And the final game I have written down here, Penn State at Nebraska. Nebraska getting six and a half at home. Nebraska stinks. Penn State, you know. They're they're good. They're a good team. They covered at Iowa. I was on them when they covered at Iowa, but like, I don't have any interest in playing this game, man. No, none. I don't like betting on any games that involve Nebraska. You think like I, why the hell would you lay points with Penn state on the road anyway? I know. I know. Even though Nebraska sucks. Nebraska beat them. Yeah. Right. Nebraska beat Penn state a few weeks ago. I don't think I, I got no, like no. No, do yourself a favor. You have no idea how this like, and this is not. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to everybody. Yeah, yeah. You have no idea how this game is going to play out. 
Penn State's ceiling is is fantastic. At Penn State's best, I think they can beat almost any team in the country. At their, their basement worst, is also very low. Bingo. At their worst, they can lose at home to Nebraska. Yeah. Now nope. they got a lay six and a half on the road. No. 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 All right. No. A lot of plays. Any uh any final thoughts? Um. Yeah, I got two more plays, dude. Boom! Get into it, baby. Um. I think we may have skipped over the St. Louis game. Oh, yes. Sorry. Uh, I'm on St. Louis. Louis. I'm on St. Louis. Love St. Louis. Bones Highland Highland is the only guy on VCU that can create his own shot. He's their best player, leading scorer, 20 points per game. He's out. St. Louis plays VCU really well. They've got a ton of guards, so they'll be able to handle the pressure. They go to the glass with reckless abandon, like VCU struggles to rebound. Must-win game for St. Louis. I think that they're – I think it's a great matchup. I think it's a great spot. And I think, I think VCU may be caught sleeping at the wheel after, after beating Richmond, I think last week. Um, and now without their, their leading score, like I just, I think it's a great spot for St. Louis. So I'm on St. Louis. Um, what number do you have St. Louis at? One and a half. I'd play it at the three and a half. Got it. Opened as a dog. Um, I think they're like, I think they roll them. So it's a great spot for him. And then last one, I don't have a play on, but I do have a big lean. I think TCU is a seven and a half point uh, road home, like home dog, excuse me, against West Virginia. I kind of like TCU. West Virginia has shown a, a propensity to play these close games on the road because they don't really play great defense um, and they tend to rely on tough shot making a little too much. I love West Virginia. I think that they have a really high ceiling. It can go a long way, but I think TCU is good enough to hang in there. And I think that the, the line is a little bit like inflated because West Virginia just had this great win at Texas and TCU lost to the worst team in the big 12 over the weekend. But I, I look, TCU is fully healthy. I think Jamie Dixon's a really good coach. I think TCU has enough good players to make this interesting. I like TCU getting seven and a half. I like him six and a half or better at home. So I think I'm going to play that. Um, so I'm back. <laughs> He's back, back with a fucking vengeance. Mr. Santu. Like that just, man. Just, rattling off plays today all the confidence in the world it's awesome i felt good i i logged in to see these lines yesterday and i was like yup 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 and i've got a lot of clv on the board which is just another indicator that i think i'm i'm feeling really good um quick recap for me i'm on louisville minus three and a half uh, but I played up to six and a half. I'm on Texas minus two and a half. I'd probably play it up to like three. Missouri minus three and a half. It's the number I'd like. I'm on St. Louis minus one and a half. I'd play it up to minus three and a half. I'm on Auburn as a pick. I'd play it up to minus two and a half, minus three. Uh, and I'm on Georgia Tech plus three and a half. That's the number I'd want. And hard leans on some big home dogs. Michigan State plus six and a half and TCU plus seven. So uh, Take that for what you want, but that is what I've got. Uh, Rory, JT, Brooks, and Morigod this week at uh, the WGC Workday as well. All right. There you have it. Uh, hopefully, big day coming tomorrow. Um, and great episode today. Thanks for bringing the energy back. Yes, sir. All right, Mr. Sanchez. Talk later. <laughs> <laughs>